Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey there, and welcome into your Friday episode of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. The Dodgers and the Angels both played Thursday, even though it felt like all over Twitter, mostly people were talking about what happened in the Dodgers game on Wednesday. More on that in a moment. But on Thursday, the Dodgers tied with the Reds 3-3 in the seventh, but then came back to score six runs in the bottom of the eighth. That is so Dodgers. They win 9-3. And the Angels lost to the Rangers 10-5. Angels scored in the first inning again, though. Two runs there. Uh, They've scored in the first inning two of their last three games, but most of their games have been no run first inning, which is why I love to bet those. In today's show, part one, Ryan Rothstein will hop on to discuss some pitching decisions that were made on Wednesday because everybody else is talking about it and I didn't want to be left out. And then later we'll have Joey Lynn, Clippers writer for Sports Illustrated, join the podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Joey Lynn, two N's and an underscore. He'll join to discuss the Clippers' final chance at making the playoffs Friday versus the Pelicans after that brutal loss to the Timberwolves on Wednesday. But first, let's take a look at the local Los Angeles lines at Bet River Sportsbook. So if we look at the MLB first, the Dodgers in action tomorrow, Reds, Dodgers again, Friday, 8, 10, or excuse me, 7, 10 p.m., I believe, Pacific time. Reds are plus 210 in the money line, Dodgers minus 250. The Reds on the run line, plus one and a half runs, plus 102. And then the Dodgers on the run line, so minus one and a half runs, would be minus 121. The total sitting at nine and a half, juice to the under here at minus 121. 
The Angels are also in action tomorrow again versus the Rangers. No line on that just yet. And then for the NBA, of course, the Clippers in action versus the Pelicans. And the Clippers are four-point favorites. They are minus 175 on the money line. Pelicans plus 145 on the money line. And the total for this game sitting at 216.5. You can find this and so much more at Bet River Sportsbook. You can also get boosted odd specials daily, so make sure you check those out as well. Sometimes I tweet those out, so you can follow me at Danielle Alvari if you want to catch any of those. The last one, cash, actually. I pointed out Mookie bets over half run and Dodgers to win, which was a lot better value than having to lay minus 135 with the Dodgers. You got that at plus 140 because little parlay action, but... Not crazy to assume that Mookie Betts will get a run in a game. So fun stuff like that, always available at Bat River Sportsbook. Now, before we get into all the Clippers talk, had to invite on my guy Ryan Rothstein, host of the Philadelphia CityCast, because he did have some opinions on some pitching decisions, as many people did, that were made on Wednesday. Uh, Dodgers drama, Clayton Kershaw, and the perfect game that could have been. Ben, it's a book that writes itself, right? I know you have some strong opinions about this. You are not the only person. It was all over Twitter. People are still bugged about it, whether they are on one side or the other about it. But we were kind of on opposite sides. So I wanted to get you on here. Uh, Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Danielle. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me. This is a uh, this is a great story just as far as the conversation that you know you and I are about to have, just because there's no right or wrong answer, but uh, it's mm-hmm. viewed obviously a, a few different ways. So Yeah. So for those who don't know, on Wednesday, Clayton Kershaw, he was pulled out six outs shy of a perfect game. This is not a no-hitter. This is a perfect game. And to give people context, there's what, 220,000, 100,000 MLB games played? Is that the stat, I believe? And 23 perfect games ever. Just to give you context of how rare this is, right? So fans are obviously very divided. And fans having different takes than, let's say, players or a GM or whoever would have. Um, Thursday, Kershaw actually said that he woke up thinking about it, whatever that means. He reiterated (laughs) that he thought it was the right decision. He also said that he feels bad for the fans in attendance. This is all very good, you know, party line things to say. Uh, He said he was sad that the fans didn't get to see him finish it. He said, if I were a fan, I would want to see somebody finish the game. So from a fan's perspective, I do feel bad for that. Dave Roberts also had comments, obviously, who made the decision here. He said, I'm a fan of baseball. Fans want to see great moments. I understand that, but I can't manage a ball club and players with my fan cap on. Immediate thoughts, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I I just, I disagree with all of it. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I just, you you said a line there to get us started that, is yeah. an important one, which is it's not a no-hitter. It's a perfect game. And and mm-hmm. that's that's a huge difference to me. This is a perfect game. I mean, this is this is baseball. Like I, I like perfect game in baseball is rarefied air. I don't even think that does it justice. I mean, this is just the biggest deal to me at the highest level. And listen, I get the pitch counts. I get uh, load management as it relates to the NBA, but sort of a similar mm-hmm. type of uh, example, if you will, but I, I don't know. I, I mean, Clayton Kershaw, was he asked about it? Like, it's clear his day that he doesn't care, uh, like, as far as yeah. he's backing that decision. Um, I think it was reported, you can probably speak on this better than I can, that he was asked about it and he said he was okay with it. I, I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what went down. But what there. are you going to know? If you know, he, he's he, not the kind of guy who's going to you know, say something bad about Dave Roberts, probably. No, no. But I, I, I guess what I'm saying is in that moment, if I'm Dave Roberts and or Clayton Kershaw, mm-hmm. the guy has a perfect game going. It's like, hey, man, 
you know, obviously the plan was 80, 85 pitches or X amount of innings, but you have a perfect game. If you want to go for this, we'll let you we'll just, you, you know, what, what are you yeah. thinking? What are you feeling? That's what I would have liked to see happen. You want to know what the conversation was? Yeah. Like was Clayton, was, was Kershaw asked about it uh, and given the opportunity to say, you know what, let me go, let me go chase this perfect game. This is, you know, something special or, you know what, I'm okay with the, you know, I, I'm fine with, with sitting. Okay. Well, I thought this would be fun to do. We'll do a little lightning round because there's lots of different opinions all over Twitter about this, uh, whether they should have sat him or, or not. And so I'm going to let you make the case for why they should have let him finish the game. I know we already kind of started it here. I'm going to give you a minute. I'll give you a full minute to do this, okay. and then I'll take a minute to explain why I think it's okay. I think it's okay that they, uh, they didn't do it. All right. You ready? I'm ready. I think so. Lightning round. Clayton Kershaw should have stayed in. Three, two, one. This is this is a category or a tier or an accomplishment that, like you said, I think 22 people, 22 or 23 other pitchers in the history of the game uh, have have accomplished. This is just rarefied air. And like I said before, I don't even think that does it justice. This is this is why you play the game. Like I, I, I equate it to you have 79 points and you're a bucket away from Kobe's 81 or you have 98 points and you're a bucket away from Wilt Chamberlain's 100. Uh, and you say, nah, you know what? Let's load manage this because, you know, in three months I need my arm a little bit more fresh. It's just, it's idiotic. And as crazy as this may sound, although it's been brought up a lot, Danielle, uh, if it was a no hitter, I probably wouldn't feel as strongly as I do about it, but a perfect game. That's just, that's baseball. Like that's, that's everything to me. And if you Three, love the game, if you're two. passionate about the game, you need to stay in. So I'm disappointed. All right. I'm, I, I get it. I get your side completely. I think we both understand each other's side, but I'm going to go now. You made a minute go by really fast. So now I'm nervous, uh, but I get it right. We're early in the season is one thing that people are talking about. Right. And, oh, we have to, you know, kind of work our way up to this. And some people are saying short and spring training. Right. And I get it. Maybe by the time you get to the start of the season, you'd like to be at a hundred, but we know they had a shortened spring training. We know that these are the situations. And beyond that, we know that this is a heavily injury-prone guy, right? So that's kind of an asterisk different than maybe a younger pitcher. Uh, it's not just his arm as well. We're worried about his back as well with Clayton Kershaw. And people forget they didn't have him last postseason. And so it is kind of funny to see all over Twitter people saying, oh, 20 more pitches wouldn't have killed him. It was 80 pitches. Maybe he finishes, well, 100, 105. But you don't know. Every pitch is another step towards that cliff. And if he tears his UCL or walks somebody or whatever ends up happening in the eighth inning, then all of a sudden it's why'd they keep him in? What a waste, right? So we're hearing this discourse of why did they pull him? But really, if anything happened, it would have been terrible. Plus, they're World Series contenders, so yeah. uh, you definitely want Clay Kershaw for the playoffs. Oh, my God, a minute is so fast. Yeah. So I think we made a decent case for both sides. Uh, I just think... It would have been really cool to see, but it's a long, long season. What do you think? Long season. Maybe we'll see something similar. I don't <laughs> Dude, know. History Maybe tells us no. <laughs> they better win the World Series now. <laughs> like, and he better be brilliant. No, it's – I hear you. I hear you. You, you want to protect yeah. your asset. This is a business, and this is an expensive business uh, with a lot of dollar signs attached to it. So you want to protect your important asset at, at any and all costs. This is a long, long season. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, we're going to be talking about this in the summer, after the summer, you know, uh, after September. Uh, we'll still be talking about Kershaw and, and everything else happening in baseball. So I do understand it. I just think um, think it was a mistake.
It might have been. It might have been. Uh, I think it's good for baseball overall, though, right? To have people yeah. talking. Some people are saying this is like, I've seen people be like, this is why my kids don't watch this. This is bad for baseball. It makes it less interesting. It's not like the old days where the guys would just throw their arms off. But I think at least at least you're being talked about. No, I think this is good for baseball. I think that's a yeah. good point. Um, like Gabe Kapler for the San Francisco Giants sort of had a, a similar type of answer. I don't even know exactly what he was asked, but I just saw the audio of like people have a lot of varying uh, opinions on uh, like just shifts and strategy and all the things that sort of make today's game air quotes a little bit more boring or slow, mm. uh, but you play to win the game. Yeah. Well, uh, I want him to be able to play all season long. So I'm saying, listen to your body, not to Twitter. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that, uh, that's, before we let, that's great life before, advice. That's yeah. just like, I love betting and life advice overlaps a lot more than you realize. Uh, before we let Ryan go, how are the Phillies looking? And then I have another question for you too, but we'll start with the Phillies. How's your team looking? Not great. Not great. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I, uh, I deemed them comparable to the 2008 World Series team after they started 2-0. And uh, maybe my emotions got the best of me there because they've lost three straight games. Four of their last five Thursday night, uh, they lose down in Miami. Miami is like the greatest team of all time to the Philadelphia Phillies. They're 6-13 and 13, uh, in Miami since 2019. And Miami, as we all know, is nothing special. Listen, this is a Phillies team. Um, you got to reel me in here because I can rant for 20 minutes, but I'll try and be quick. This is a Phillies team that has a lot of flaws on the field. They have a lot of question marks and flaws in their starting rotation and bullpen. So there is a lot of pressure uh, on this on this lineup offensively, albeit deep and dangerous. There's a lot of pressure on them to deliver uh, over a 162 game season. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, you summed it up well at the beginning. I said, how's it going? You said, not well. It's not looking good. <laughs> Three and four. Uh, it's not well. And this is not your concern necessarily anymore, but I wanted to get your reaction on. Shams tweeting, Ben Simmons targeting a return within games four through six, which would be April 25th through 29th of the first round series with the Celtics. Your thoughts, Ryan Rossi? <laughs> I mean, it's it's classic Ben Simmons, uh, you know, sources. It's like he may come back in round one in games four, four to six. six like gave himself said. a range. Yeah, it's like, okay, so you mean if the Nets are up 3-0, they're going to bring in Ben Simmons with absolutely zero pressure. Or if the Nets are down 3-0, they're going to bring in Ben Simmons. That's how I look at it. We'll see how it goes. If it's not one of those uh, situations, Danielle, I think it's honestly absolutely idiotic. And this is not my Ben Simmons bias. This is me, if it's any NBA player, if you're trying to incorporate them back onto the floor for the first time in over a year in the playoffs, I think that's a mistake. I get it. And that's why I wanted your take on it, Ryan, because I agree with you. So Ryan Rothstein, host of the Philadelphia CityCast. Make sure you check him out. Find him there or find him on Twitter at WiseRye. Coming up, Clippers are in action Friday with a win. It's playoffs with a loss. It's a wrap. This is the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. 
Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm, of course, your host, Danielle Alvari. We have lots of Clippers to talk about, maybe for the final time. We'll see. So, of course, I had to bring in a great guest for this. Let's welcome in Joey Lynn, Clippers writer for Sports Illustrated. You can find him on Twitter at Joey Lynn. That's two N's and then an underscore. Joey, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'll be doing better if this is not the last time we see <laughs> the Clippers this season. But as you mentioned, could be win or go home tomorrow. So tell us a little bit about your background. Did you grow up a Clippers fan? Uh, how long have you been covering them? Yeah, so I grew up a Clippers fan. Uh, as we talked about a little bit before I came on, Blake Griffin was my guy. I fell in love with him, fell in love with the team when I was nine years old. That's when he got drafted in 09. Uh, so I began following the team then, fell in love with Blake. And then and then once he got dealt, um, it, was, it was a hard blow for me as a fan. But then shortly thereafter, Guys like Pat came in, Lou, Trez, and fell in love with them all over again, uh, which is interesting. We'll get into to Pat, I'm sure, eventually uh, on this segment. Oh, yeah. But, Question coming. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I grew up a fan of the team, and then as I kind of started to um, get to the age where I knew I wanted to pursue sports media, I had mm -hmm. a love for the Clippers, so I just kind of started creating my own content, writing for any blogs that would let me write for them and put Clippers stuff out. I created an Instagram page, Twitter, just to, like, put my stuff out. And uh, did that for several years, just wrote for as many blogs as I could my first few years of college. And then, uh, you know, I was blessed uh, with an opportunity to come on with, with SI, with uh, Farbad Estashari. He's the top guy over there uh, for the Clippers, covering uh, them for SI. Uh, him and I just have been friends just through the Clippers, and, and he reached out. And uh, him and I have now been partners this season. It's my first year covering the team as a credential media member. So it's been super fun. I'll be in the building uh, Friday night. For, for that for that game against uh, the Pels, so super excited for that. But yeah, that's a little bit of my background, how I how I got not only just to become a fan of the team, but, but start covering them as a writer as well. So for you, Crypto.com, that's the Clippers home arena, not Lakers. Well, you know, it's funny. That's a whole <laughs> other conversation. I don't know if that's one I want to get into about, you know, Lakers town, Clippers town. Like, I think it's undeniable that, you know, obviously Lakers have more fans in the city, but sure. uh, the, it gets jumping in there for Clippers games. It really does. I, I'm definitely excited. This year it better see. be. Yeah, no, they've been they've been good for a while now. They actually, they just broke, uh, well, actually extended their own streak of uh, winning seasons eleven straight now, which is a, an active NBA record. So I mean, they've been they've been good for a little while now, which you know, um, fans stick around because they're winning games. So while they're not the Lakers, they they do have a very solid presence in LA. Yeah, they're not winning games on accident either this year. And you point to the Lakers and people want to come up with all the reasons that they didn't even make it to the play-in, couldn't even get to the top 10 with LeBron and Anthony Davis. And you can point at injuries and oh, consistency, so many lineups and the coaching. Let's fire Frank Vogel. He's the problem. But um, Ty Lue figured it out with not working with much this season. Obviously, Paul George and Kawhi being out most of the season. So lots and lots of excuses on the other side. But uh, the Clippers did lose recently to the Timberwolves on Wednesday and it was interesting because I just realized I have a friend who's just an NBA casual fan kind of and didn't realize he's like oh so they're done I was like no they got one more shot at it they take on the Pelicans on Friday but let's talk about the Timberwolves game on Wednesday first they lost 109 to 104 they did not cover they were two and a half three point dogs and I loved getting points with them here I took the money line I wanted them to win this game and I thought I looked so smart most of that game plus 125 uh, and then the final fourth quarter comes they get outscored by 11 points points how, how did this game look to you well you kind of knew what it was going to be coming into it this Minnesota crowd has been fantastic all season long they have really embraced this team really after D'Angelo Russell kind of called them out and said uh, we have quiet fans and, and we have a good team we want them to be loud for us and they have really answered that call 
So you knew what it was going to be going in there for this game. And they have had one playoff appearance in like the last 18 years, I think it is. Um, so they, they were really hungry. The city was hungry for this. Uh, the team was hungry for it. So you knew from an energy standpoint what, what they were going to bring. Uh, and anytime you have Pat Bev on your team for a game like this, you know what he's going to bring. Um, but it was very interesting because the Clippers went into it with a mindset of we're going to take Carl Anthony Towns away. We're going to send an aggressive trap at him, and they did. Uh, they sent a very aggressive double at Cat. He was over 7, I believe, in the first half. Uh, his only point came on a free throw. So the Clippers did a really good job of executing their game plan, but Cat got in foul trouble really early on in that game and ultimately fouled out in that third quarter. And Ty Lue, Reggie Jackson, PG, like they all said in the post game that uh, our game plan was to take away Cat. And they kind of fell apart once Cat went to the bench, which is like super awkward when you think about it. You're talking about the other teams the best player on the opposing team going to the bench, and then now you as a you as an opponent fall apart, and not something you see very often, especially in a game like that. But that's exactly what happened. The Timberwolves really stepped up in the absence of Cat once he fouled out, and uh, the Clippers didn't execute properly down the stretch. Um, I was happy with mm -hmm. with Paul George's second half. I felt like he really bounced back after a shaky first half, uh, but other guys didn't step up. Um, you know, really bad plays down the stretch, turnovers, missed shots. Things like that, things that can't happen in a winner-takes-all type of game. So while it looked good uh, for a while for them as, as they were uh, leading most of that game, they just couldn't hold on there at the end. Yeah, and I have to agree with you, the turnovers being a big issue because this is actually a Clippers team that usually takes care of the ball pretty well. So it seems like these last couple games even, I've seen them kind of struggle with that. And I'm just wondering if that's just kind of getting Paul George back in the mix, incorporating Norman Powell again, some kind of situation there. But I hope to see less turnovers on Friday. And to your point, I think this is your own tweet, the Timberwolves at one point were minus 14 with Cat on the court and plus 11 with him off. And so it is kind of strange that they ended up playing better without him on there. And also strange that he was so surprised that his fouls were because come on, you gotta stop you lowering lower, your shoulder. You're lowering your shoulder and trucking a guy come to the on. floor is, is not an offensive foul. Hilarious, hilarious. Cap, but, but yeah. Of course. Yeah, and I think they had a great game plan, right? We're going to take take him out, and I was wondering who they're going to match up with him. They did such a great job, and then it turned out that they were still able to get it done without him. Uh, before we get into Friday's game, you've already mentioned it before, I have to ask you about your pinned tweet. Photo of mm. you with Mr. Patrick Beverly from February. He's wearing yeah. a Clippers jersey. I think it's Zubox in it. It is. You even captioned it, my goat. He so is. safe to say you're a fan of him. Uh, obviously, he celebrated his butt off after that win. He got fined for his comments in his post-game presser. He was hilarious on Instagram Live. Go check it out on Twitter. So what did you think of his celebration? I think it's absolutely warranted. He earned that. He earned it. You know, he said at the beginning of the season, the Timberwolves, we're, we're going to make the playoffs. He manifested that. He said, I made the playoffs every single year of my career. Uh, I don't miss the playoffs. So he said that at the beginning of the year, and people laughed at him. You could go back and find his tweet where, where he manifested that, and people were clowning him in the comments. But uh, he made it happen. So he earned this. And he even said um, in, in one of his postgame answers that this is a city that they've been hurting, man. There's been a lot that's gone on in Minnesota uh, over the last couple years and this was a fan base and a city that was was hungry for a playoff appearance and I think too JJ Reddick said it really well he was talking about how you got to celebrate victories like this I think just the culture that we live in especially in the NBA you're so focused on the ultimate goal which is a championship championship and of course that's going to be the ultimate goal but uh, if that's the only thing that you ever allow yourself to celebrate there's one champion at the end of every single year. If you don't allow yourself to celebrate these victories along the way, 
you're going to be pretty miserable, especially if you're an organization like Minnesota that has had so many poor seasons, especially recently. So Pat earned this. And he, you know, obviously had a chip on his shoulder because the Clippers dealt him. Um, and he's been open about that as well. So I love Pat Bev. I actually have had an opportunity on a couple different occasions to talk with him. And he's been super encouraging to me just in my journey as, as a media Is member. Is he high and energy in person? Because he seems like he's a lot. He's, he's incredible. Uh, the first time I actually got to meet him was uh, at a G League game back in 2019. Uh, I was there uh, watching Agua Caliente, and he pulled up to watch with a couple other guys. Uh, I think Shea was there and a couple other guys uh, from the Clippers uh, on that 2018-19 team. Got a chance to talk to him then for the first time. And you could tell he really appreciates that people appreciate him. Uh, there's just really <laughs> like this unique connection between he and every team, every single team that he's played for. Um, so every time I've had an opportunity to talk with him, he's been just super encouraging of me. And, and you know, that's why I just I have a real love for that guy, but what he did for the Clippers and then just also like some of the times that I've had an opportunity to just talk one on one with him. He's always been super encouraging and, and just it, the exact pat that you see uh, out there on the floor is, is the same pat that he is in those situations. Right, and I agree with you, uh, and also with J.D. Redick, I guess, is I always say that sports and even sports betting advice often overlaps with life advice. It's one of my favorite things about sports. It teaches you a lot about life, and you do have to celebrate the small wins. Uh, there's people who <laughs> live things a little bit like more joyless, I would say, like the Kobe's of the world who will say, job's not finished, which, okay, do you, you know, can't knock that because obviously that's a successful way to do it as well. But I like that he celebrated, and Paul George did too. He said, I love it. I miss it. It's contagious. When he's in that mode, it ignites the team. It ignites the arena. You need energy guys like that. So uh, even across the way Paul George is happy for him which is funny because now Paul George fighting for his life here in playoffs so let's talk about Clippers and Pelicans uh, going on on Friday 7 p.m pacific time so the Clippers are actually favored here by four points the total sitting at 216 money line at Bet Rivers right now minus 175 for the Clippers and the Pelicans plus 145 money line not quite interesting enough to play but my initial thoughts are I want some points with this Pelicans team because I thought that that Clippers matchup was way more favorable versus the Timberwolves than versus the Pelicans. Uh, what are your thoughts initially on this matchup? Well, if you're just looking at the regular season matchup between the Clippers and the T-Wolves and the Clippers and the Pels, Clippers won 3-1 against Minnesota, Pels won 3-1 against the Clippers. However, I wrote a couple previews on obviously both uh, playing games. And what I mentioned is that when you look at the season series, the last game between both the Clippers and the T-Wolves and the Clippers against the Pelicans is much more indicative of what you're going to see in the playing game than the first few because both teams have changed drastically since when they played earlier in the season. I think New Orleans got one of their first three wins off the Clippers. They were like 2-17 and 17 or something crazy like that to start the year. So when the Clippers lost to them at the beginning of the year, it was like, this is a terrible loss. But then as the season progressed and New Orleans really started to come into their own, Willie Green has them playing really well. Um, it wasn't all of a sudden an embarrassment to lose to the Pelicans anymore. They're a good team. Uh, they obviously made the deal for CJ at the deadline, added him. He has been incredible for them. So I don't think you can look much at the season series between the two teams and, and glean much from that as it pertains to this game, especially because the Clippers got Norm Powell. Um, they're integrating Paul George back into things after he was injured. So you look at these two teams, and I would say the first three matchups that they played are really completely different teams that are going to be in this playing game. Well, the last matchup that they played, the Clippers blew them out of the building at home. But again, a one-game situation, anything can happen. We've seen that in the play-in not only this year, but in years prior. 
So it's really hard to predict, but I do think this this uh, New Orleans Pelicans team is a lot better than people give them credit for because um, C.J. McCollum has them playing really well. Brandon Ingram has gotten healthy. He started to play a little bit better. And Willie Green has, has instilled a very solid culture there, and they're buying into that for their, for their rookie first-year head coach. So they're a really good squad over there, but uh, the Clippers feel as if if they were healthy all year, they wouldn't even be in this plan. So if they can make it to the playoffs, they can hopefully, you know, maybe get some some more reinforcements. If that's potentially a thing, we don't know. The door hasn't been closed on that yet, uh, if you know what I'm referencing. But uh, that's that's their determination right now. Maybe is they'll to get claw in. their way back. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. So that's the uh, <laughs> that's the determination for them. It's not just like, oh, let's go, you know, sneak in for fun and then and then get you know foregamed by phoenix that's not it's not the mindset for them the mindset is like we really have a chance if we can just get in so there's a lot of urgency on both sides which should make for a really exciting game well yeah in terms of of sneaking into the pelicans really had to work to get themselves into this position obviously and the clippers had to work to stay above 500 i have to think that paul george coming back has a lot of respect for this team and what they did without him and all that time away especially when he left i thought the defense would take a bigger hit and it didn't actually all these role players really stepped up um so it's fun to see them step back in at right the right time and kind of get healthy like I said, this matchup I don't love for them compared to the Timberwolves here because if I'm just looking at like cleaning the glass, I like to look at just the last six week recency. I know that, like you said, a lot of changes have happened with these teams. But one thing we can point out is obviously the defensive and offensive rebounding differences between these teams. For uh, the Pelicans, fourth in offensive rebounding in the last six weeks and the Clippers, uh, 17th. So that's definitely somewhere they're going to struggle, obviously. I thought that for sure the Timberwolves are going to take advantage of trying to get second chance points with them as well. Um, Pelicans didn't do great at doing that versus the Spurs, but everything else looked good. They shot 54.3%. They dominated the board. CJ McCollum, as you mentioned, looked really good. So as far as the matchup is concerned, I could see us getting a close game here, which makes me want to have some points with the Pelicans plus four. I don't want the Clippers to have to win by five in this situation. Um, so I definitely, if I'm looking for something, maybe there. I also think this total is crazy low, 216. The Pelicans are playing a back-to-back. -back. The Clippers are uh, not, but... I just am not really sure what we're going to see because I think the Clippers need to have that lockdown defense that we saw from the start of the season. What do you think that they're going to have to do here to be successful against this Pelicans team? Well, I think when you talk about their defense, it's tough because their defensive personnel is really built on length and built on wings. And they throw, I mean, Kevin Durant even joked on a podcast recently that the Clippers are hogging all the wings in the NBA because they just have so much length on the perimeter but because of that, they have struggled with speedy, smaller guards, which the point of attack for the Pelicans is, of course, C.J. McCollum up top. The Clippers have struggled with guys like that, especially since they moved on from Pat Bev. Uh, I'm a little bit biased, as you know, but I, I think he's the best point of attack defender in the NBA right up there with Drew Holiday. So without a guy like that to check C.J., it's really difficult because especially if the Clippers want to try to go small and take away maybe some of the pick and pop with Valanchunas, now all of a sudden you remove that last line of defense inside that maybe Zoo or Isaiah would offer, and now you're playing small with like Marcus Morris or Nicholas Batum with the five in order to try to counter the perimeter play. So it's a very different type of defensive situation for the Clippers against a team like this than it would be against some of the other teams that they have played throughout the course of the season. So when you're looking just strictly at the defense, it's complicated and you trust Ty Lue because he's proven time and time again. Uh, I think he actually has the best winning percentage in, 
in uh, elimination games amongst active head coaches right now, maybe even all the time. Wow. I can't remember the statistic. I don't know if this technically counts as an elimination game because it's not like the play-in is like this I weird I mean, it's win or go home. Yeah, but the play-in like statistics are like this weird purgatory where they, they like don't exist anywhere. So um, I don't know if this will technically count against this record. But you definitely trust Ty Lue to deploy some sort of defensive strategy against this team. But honestly, it's going to come down to does Reggie Jackson make shots? Does Marcus Morris make shots? Does Nicholas Batum make shots? Because Paul George, he's going to do his thing. Norman Powell's going to do his thing. They're going to break down mm-hmm. the defense, probably draw two. And what you saw last season in the in the playoffs with the Clippers is the reason why they were so successful is that Reggie Jackson turned into Steph Curry from beyond the arc. He was making absolutely every single catch and shoot three that he got. Marcus Morris, same thing. Pat Bev, same thing. Obviously, he's not here, but he was making his shots as well. Batum, all those guys were making shots off of the attention that Paul George was generating without Kawhi Leonard. So I would love to see them have Luke Kennard back. We don't know if he's going to be, you know, ready to go. He's well, that was what I was going to so, ask you because Reggie's yeah. going to have to step up if we don't know what's up with Luke. Luke Kennard obviously missing. Also, quick question. Do you think they would have won Wednesday's game if Luke was in? Uh, I think it's a tough question to answer because Luke's the type of guy who really plays off of rhythm. He's not a guy who's going to have many yeah. plays called for him. He's not going to put the ball in his hands and say, go get us a bucket. However, the Clippers really did miss his gravity out there. Even if he's not making shots, you cannot overcommit to Paul George the same way that teams do with Luke Kennard off the floor as opposed to what they do when, when Luke's out there. So I definitely mm-hmm. think that would have allowed Paul George a little bit more freedom. Norm Powell, Reggie, all those guys uh, would have had a little bit more freedom going downhill if Luke was out there. I, th- I think Marcus Morris also struggled in that game, actually, as well. So, like you said, he's going to have to step up a lot more in this game. And Luke Kennard still listed as questionable. I don't know. I don't know this the, the like how bad his hamstring is hurting him at this point. Um, but like you said, he's just such a tough guy on the perimeter that you can't ignore him. I think he led the league in three-point shooting yeah. during the regular season, almost 45%. Crazy. So, um, definitely a loss. It was funny because I was actually talking to one of our senior NBA analyst handicappers about this game, who's also a Clippers fan, if you can believe it, even though he grew up in Las Vegas. And he said that... Um, I texted him, I said, why, why is this line being so weird before the game on the Clippers? Because it was going up to three. And I was like, I know Kennard's out. Is, is that, that everybody reacting to that? And he said, do you think he moves the point spread? And I was like, no, I don't think he's a player who moves the point spread. So obviously uh, people overreacting to that as well. But a critical piece in a lot of ways for this team as well. But fortunately, this is like a hockey team. They can just play a lot of guys throughout the game. And they've just been doing that all season long. You mentioned Norman Powell. How big of an impact has he made for you so far in just a few games? I mean, five or six games back for him now from his injury. You can't ask for any more than what you've gotten from Norm, especially considered that he's not only battling coming back from injury, but he's learning how to play alongside Paul George. These two guys have never played together, had, I think, two or three regular season games together. And it was even still kind of awkward because Norm was coming off the bench, still on his minutes restriction. They were trying to keep PG's minutes down a little bit. So these two guys, and I, I tweeted it out a couple a couple games ago, uh, they've looked about as good as you could hope that they would look as a duo considering all the, the injury context, the fact that they have no time together. So I think Norm's been absolutely fantastic. He even got on himself a little bit after that Minnesota game and said, I have to be more aggressive. I'm a guy that this team looks to to generate offense. Eight shots isn't enough, or nine shots, whatever it was that he took. He said, that's not enough. I have to be more aggressive. So he pretty much vowed to be more aggressive in this Pelicans game. And I think they're going to need that, especially considering you don't know if you're going to have Luke. Um, and if they really try to throw the house at PG, a guy like Norm Powell is going to have to break down the defense and create some of his own offense. 
I, I agree with you. Absolutely. And I'm a huge Norman Powell fan because I'm a huge UCLA fan and he obviously was a four-year player there. So I'm always rooting for him. Also a SoCal kid, grew up in San Diego. So exciting to see him back there. Uh, before I let you go, Joey, final thoughts. I know now let the people know. So are you, would you consider yourself a betting man? Uh, no, I, I, I do not. There was there was definitely a time in my life where I was on Twitter. I see people winning crazy and I'm like, man, I got to get in on this because I feel right. like I'm pretty intuitive when it comes to trends and things like that. I, I yeah. feel as if I can I can predict how the outcome of games pretty well. So I was like, you know what, let me let me hop on this wave. Right. So I was like 15 bucks. That's that's yeah. fine. Right. Like, you it know, I, I don't I don't I don't mind losing 15 bucks. Uh, bet it. I forget what I even put it on. Lost it, and I was like, "Yeah, losing fifteen bucks me. sucks. I'm never doing this again." <laughs> so uh, I was, I was one and done. Uh, I've, I've been tempted to hop back in, but I was like, "No, that feeling sucks." So I'm, I'm good on that. But hey, each their own. So. Well, I love asking people that because I think people don't realize how many people uh, we're all just trying to figure it out. Even the best handicappers are hitting it 55% of the time, maybe to be profitable here. So maybe the next bet would hit and then you'd make all your money back. But you know, you got the juice or whatever. So with that in mind, you did say you think you predict games well. So last notes for this. How do you think you think the Clippers are going to get out early and be up early? How do you think this is going to play out? Because you can even live bet this. So if you think the Pelicans are going to come out and be ahead early, maybe you get a better number on the Clippers. How do you kind of see the rhythm of this game going? Well, the Clippers are going to have their home crowd behind them. I anticipate it being the best home crowd of the season. It should be. It's a, it's a winner go home situation. So I think they're going to feed off of that for sure. Guys like Reggie really feed off of that. So yeah. I would definitely anticipate them coming out hot. Um, it's going to be whether or not they can sustain that. Guys are fatigued. They've been playing heavy minutes all year long. Uh, Ty Lue is going to have to do a good job managing that. So I definitely anticipate the Clippers to come out with the proper energy. Uh, whether that translates to made baskets or not, we can't predict. But uh, definitely uh, don't see a situation where the Clippers come out unprepared for this game. All right. Well, that's that's at least something. I, I liked the idea of an under in this game, but the total's just too low. And I can't bet on the Clippers. Are the Clippers winning this game, though? You think they're winning it? Uh, I can't bet against them. I can't bet against Paul George. Yeah, they're the better what, team here. After what he did in, in last year's postseason, I mean, he stepped up every time they needed him to. So definitely uh, looking for something uh, like that in, in tomorrow's game. So. All right. Well, I think they're the better team. I think they're going to win. So uh, thank you to Joey. Uh, Lynn for joining us on today's show and thank you to you for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook I'll be back on Monday hope you will too enjoy the game win some bets and just have a good weekend